0: Hey, beloved, I just wanted to give you a heads up before we get into today's story that we will be talking about infant loss and some abuse. So in case that's a trigger for you, just be warned. Today on Radiant Stories in the co-host chair, we have Gabby McCarg sitting with me, your host, April Mozingo, and we are interviewing a lady who is a wife, mom of two, preschool teacher, she's been to Jerusalem, and a big fan of pop music, Shelby Abbotson
1: good morning um thank you so much for listening to our radiant podcast Um, i am so blessed to get to sit here with um, the beautiful shelby Um, we both go to calvary hill Um, i've had the pleasure of um well she's babysat me growing up and so um and now our relationship has kind of just blossomed so she's just really a trusted voice in my life and i just feel comfortable going to her um, and so this morning I get to interview her. So um, yeah, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So Shelby, kind of tell us where you feel like where do you feel like your story
2: kind of really begins? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much, Gabby. I just could not be more honored to have you by my side for this. Um, as far as my story goes, really I think to understand my background, you really have to understand, Um, Well, I just need to give you some background on my parents. So my mother had me as a teenager, and my dad was an addict. We were living with a child molester because Mm -hmm. my dad was dependent on him, and my mom would not leave my dad. So there we all were. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, obviously, the man that we were living with was not happy about my existence, so a plan had been discussed to take me to Mexico and sell me into the sex trade. Now, when my grandma, my mom's mom, found out about this, she, in her earthly power, contacted a detective to see what could be done to get me out of that situation. Well, as God would have it, they had already been watching this child molester. And it wasn't even a week later that they raided the house that we were in. Now, when they found me, I had scabies, I had multiple bruises in different stages of healing, which is really just indicative of a pattern of abuse, not just a one-time fit of rage. Um, I even had a hand-shaped bruise across my face from my chin to my hairline. So the fact that my life was even preserved to that point truly blows my mind as it is just so revealing of God's grace and his calling on my life. And I guess I really, I suppose that's an actually good segue into my actual story. So I am a firm believer that while God is ultimately in control over every detail, of every detail. He uses his creation to accomplish his purposes, Mm wouldn't you say? Yeah,
1: definitely.
2: And so whenever it comes to my life, God saved it through my grandma. He used her to get me out of that house, and he used her to bring me to himself. Mm -hmm. She raised me as a single, middle-aged woman with... (laughs) not even a license until I was 14 (laughs) years old. I kid you not. So everywhere we went, we either walked, took a bus or a cab. So it was only by God's sovereignty that shortly before I came to live with her, she ended up in an apartment complex with a little Baptist church at the corner. And that's where I came to know and love the Lord. And it's just so remarkable to me how foundational those earliest messages of truth were to my life. Because there has never been a time in my life that I haven't known two things, that God is in control mm-hmm. of everything and that he loves me. Amen. And those two truths layered together have been the lens through which, the lens from which I have viewed everything. <clears throat> it's kind of funny because you know, you and I are members of a Reformed church, mm-hmm. so of course the term Calvinism gets yep. thrown around. <laughs> I hate uh, word sometimes. Uh, right. Yes, yes it is. Um, but a joke I have with my husband is that I was a Calvinist when Calvinism was still kind of an ugly word around here. <laughs> of course, I didn't really know what Calvinism was until I was well into high school. But again, all my life, all I knew was that God was in mm-hmm. control that he was all knowing, that he was all powerful, and yet all good. Mm -hmm. So I really had no problem with acknowledging that he was in control even over the bad things. I was okay with not understanding all of his ways because I trusted in his perfect love and in his perfect wisdom. And that's kind of the whole point of God, right? I mean, he would cease to be God if we could fully wrap our minds around Mm -hmm. him. And that's not to say that he's... Unknowable. On the contrary, he is an intimate God. But he is, in fact, God. And so I know I've majorly digressed <laughs> at this point, but I say all of that because I can't stress enough how foundational those truths have been to my life.
1: Yeah. And definitely needed just mm. because of what we know you're going to talk about in yes, the future or definitely. here in the next couple minutes. So. minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your grandmother, she just sounds like such a wonderful person, even to this day. Like I still want to meet her. And yes. if I don't get to on this side, I will in eternity. That's right. <laughs> yes, I am. So yeah, no, it definitely sounds like God has had a plan for you from the very beginning. It definitely sounds like, you know, God has just had his hand on you, you know, throughout childhood, so evidently placed you in the care of your grandmother. Um, So you go through high school, um, you start college, you're going to this little Baptist church. Um, Any special
2: men? Did you start dating? I did, yes. So I met my now husband, David, in college. Oh, and when it comes to marriage, it's important to know that no one in my family is married. Mm, okay. And pretty much every marriage I was witness to until I was about 15 years old was broken to the point of collapse. And the healthy, happy, and godly marriages I saw later in my teen years, I defined holy by the few hours a week I was around those couples, which (laughs) is crazy. Uh, But that's that's what I did. So, um, you know, all of this was truly all I knew of marriage. And, you know, of course, it was all tied up with the bow of what entertainment portrays (laughs) marriage to be. And then couple all of this with the fact that David and I are both very emotional people aside from our own mental health issues and it's really no surprise that our marriage took a turn for the worse fairly early on hmm. now I remember being told multiple times that there is no such thing as a perfect marriage that there would be fights that there would be days of no warm fuzzies And I think my response to that was, well done. Yeah, obviously. We all hear that. We all know that. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it it just made sense. Yeah. And there's no such thing as any perfect relationship because relationships require human beings. Mm -hmm. Sinful (laughs) human beings. So there's going to be sin involved in every relationship that anyone enters into. So why would marriage be any different in that regard from any other relationship I had? Clearly, I had yet to understand that marriage is different. It is unique. It is set apart. So when we started having even minor issues, I couldn't understand why they felt so different from every other issue that's come up in any of my other relationships. And again, I was comparing our entire new marriage to just a fraction I saw from others' seasoned marriages. So I genuinely had no idea how normal and minor many things that we went through were. Now, that's not to say that there weren't some major issues in our marriage. There definitely were. But my deep-rooted fear of not measuring up caused me to turn inward and to create more major issues out of the minor issues. Mm -hmm. And I tend to think of it kind of like one of those... um, those steel sponges, like like using a steel sponge to just aggressively scrub away at something that's really quite delicate. In my zeal to get rid of everything keeping us from my ideal marriage, I created bigger tears in what was. And all of this eventually boiled over to the point of us separating for two years. And I got to tell you, during this time, <laughs> I was at war with everyone, With God, with David, obviously, with one of my pastors, and with myself. In my mind, I had done everything right. I had not only followed all of God's rules, but I had (laughs) devoted my life to actually loving and serving him in ministry. So why was he punishing me with a failing marriage? I mean, didn't he owe me? Uh, Right. Yeah. And to top it all off, I could not leave the marriage without sinning against him first and foremost. So yeah, I was mad at God. I felt divinely bamboozled, (laughs) divinely trapped. And I had also been asked to step down from a treasured position at church in order to focus on my marriage. So now you have to understand my self-worth was wrapped up in what others thought of me. So when my kingdom started to come down, I had nothing to show for myself. I had nothing to be admired for. And without anything to be admired for, of what value am I? So I, I'm so embarrassed to even talk about this, but it's it is the ugly truth. I turned to shopping, and I know that sounds so stupid, and trust me, it is. But it was truly my addiction. I had lost control over everything in my life. I could not control David. I certainly couldn't control God and I couldn't keep my position at church. But I could control the money I spent. I could control how good I looked on the outside and all my beautiful new clothes, even if I couldn't control the ugliness of everything else in my life. And it was my only way of having anything of value in a time when everything Mm -hmm. I valued was taken away. Mm -hmm. It was my way of attributing value to myself when I felt worthless. Mm -hmm. Eventually, though even spending money was outside of my control and like i said i knew i couldn't end our marriage without being in sin and without disappointing everyone in my life including myself i realized my only option was to fight for my marriage even if it was just (laughs) for my pride and i don't know that i've ever fought for anything as hard as i did for our marriage honestly there were times that i was just done i was weak i was tired and David, David would fight for us both in those times. And then whenever he grew weak and tired, I would fight for us. A time came when we realized we were both fighting for each other instead of at each other. It was like we just kind of were in battle, and we just kind of looked next to each other, and there the other one was. Um, so it was, it was a slow process, slow, slow process but bitterness gave way to apathy. Apathy gave way to care. Care gave way to love and affection finally blossomed anew from that love. Wow.
1: That's just so beautiful. And I think that's just one of the things like, um, our pastors like says around here, he says, um, uh, it's us for them, Mm -hmm. not us against them. Mm -hmm. Kind of when people like talk about like as Christians, like they'll fight against the world and stuff. And it sounds like that's kind of like how you and David were like, y'all just got to a point where you realize like we have got to fight for our marriage mm-hmm. or this isn't going to work, oh, yeah, you know?
2: 100 percent
1: um but yeah god is just definitely he's just just so intentional even you said it's something evenly small but honestly shelby that's something so many people just struggle with i think too is because control is kind of a facade like oh yeah the idea that we have control at all is Mm -hmm. not true 100 you can't control anything Mm -hmm. so instantly as humans like when we're starting to like crumble and break down what can i control what can i hold hold on to Mm -hmm. you know but You know, God uses everything for our good. And God needed you to learn. He needed you to Mm. learn to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He needed you to learn that your value is not placed in what you bring. Like you alone have value. Mm -hmm. Like you have value right now in rest. You have value when you're not doing anything Mm -hmm. like, well, to yourself, you think you're not doing anything. (laughs) Um, You know, there's nothing like that Maverick City song. We're not holding God up. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing we can do to let him down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so those truths are, they just sound like they're really, they are being hammered down in you. Even Um, just
2: now, just listening to you. I'm (laughs) like, I'm taking that in. I'm like, Oh yes, Lord. Yes.
1: Cause you should receive it. And I know it's something you're going to, we have scars and, but we're going to always have them. Like Mm -hmm. there doesn't come a time when we're like, okay, I've struggled with this for this long. I'm done. Like, Mm -hmm. no, like sometimes. God has a thorn in our side, like Mm. Paul, like he does not take away. Right. And so it's sometimes we have to praise God for the thorn. Oh, yeah. So because it keeps us going to Mm -hmm. him, you know. Yes, ma'am. You know, you also mentioned another lie or a weed that was kind of deep that you believed was just the fact that God owes us something, Mm -hmm. which is something I think a lot of us struggle with, too. We think. Even though we don't believe in legalism, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're like, if I do the things, you know, then why wouldn't God bless me? Like I'm, I'm, I'm claiming it. Like, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't God bless me? So you continue to work hard through your marriage. Y'all are fighting, of course, or not fighting, but y'all are fighting with each, like with each other now. Mm -hmm. You're like, um, working on your relationship. So you think you're about to, maybe God's going to give you like a break. Maybe like, maybe God is like just trying to build something within you guys, Mm -hmm. um, do you, did you walk into another storm right after that? Did y'all get a break? Was God preparing you for something? Oh, girl,
2: let me tell you. <laughs> so I did not think we would go through anything else in our life as hard as our separation was. But that season was sovereignly placed in our lives to bring us closer together in order to prepare us for an even bigger storm, which was the loss of our first child. Now I have to tell you the full story of her name because her story or her legacy, however you wanna put it, lives within the meaning of her name. So originally we were going to name her Molly. But as you know, um, at our church's baby dedication service, they announced the meaning of each baby's name. So, of course, I looked up the meaning of Molly before we fully committed to it. And as it turns out, Molly means bitter. Oh, man. I know. I still love that name so much. But I could not have that be said yeah. at her dedication. So, I, so we thought about the name Brooklyn. And when I looked up that meaning, it meant broken land. And at first I was kind of bummed that we had managed to come up with another name with kind of a sad meaning. But the more I thought about it, the more I saw the gospel potential in it. So we named her Brooklyn Grace, as in grace in the broken land. And again, God is sovereign over the details because we ended up losing her at 38 weeks. So two weeks before her due date. And the grace of God in the midst of our brokenness was so completely overwhelming not only was his presence so acute i kid you not it was it was nearly tangible Mm. during that time but our only hope in our loss was knowing that she was alive in the presence of jesus and because of the grace that he had shown us in making us his own we knew that we would be with her again you know a story um that I have held dear since this time comes from the gospel of John in chapter 11, whenever Lazarus dies. And the story starts with his sisters sending word to Jesus. So Jesus isn't with them right now. He's, they send word to Jesus that, and I quote, the one you love is sick. In verses five through six say, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, He stayed where he was two more days. And when he finally gets to them, Lazarus had been dead for several days. And the sisters say to Jesus that had he been there, Lazarus would still be alive. And then stirred, I believe, not so much by his own grief, because Jesus knows what he's about to do, but more so by the grief of the sisters. Verse 35 simply states, Jesus wept. Now, it's worth mentioning that earlier in the story, Jesus had made a few comments about Lazarus just being asleep, and that he would live again, and these comments were met with a variety of responses. Like, the disciples, as always, they were confused, and then Martha was like, kind of gave this like, yes, yes, Jesus, I know, like, he will be resurrected on the last day, and all of this sort of stuff. Um... But just before he resurrects Lazarus, he turns to Martha and says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And then he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And the reason why this passage resonates with me now is because I now know the desperate faith and disappointment of the sisters when they say to Jesus, had you been here, I knew the power of my God. I knew that he could make her heartbeat at any moment. I labored for 48 hours before being taken for a C-section. And that entire time, I was crying out to the Lord, the one you love has died. Please come to her rescue. Make her heartbeat again. But almost as an echo of verses five through six, because he loved us, all three of us, he stayed where he was, so to speak. He did not do as I begged him to do. And I know that that might sound cruel. I know it doesn't fit into our human understanding. But I knew my God was good. I knew he was sovereign. And I knew my God loved us. And that was enough for me. And I'd, I'd I don't want to sound disingenuous in saying that, but it's, it's, it's the honest truth. Mm -hmm. I didn't demand answers. I didn't demand understanding.
1: Well, I think it just also speaks to like all the work God had been doing in your life already, like up to that point, because like you as a mother, obviously love Brooklyn grace more than anybody. So like when you say all these things, a lot of people listening could be like, well, you know, how can you even say that? Like, no, like we're not. Dis you know, she when you went through so much pain, like and in the midst of that pain you still had to know, like you had to rely on the past faith that you had built up to that point. You yes. know, that God had been sovereignly working on in you. But yeah, I just think it speaks to like what God had already been doing, like in mm-hmm. planting like a field, like a broken land, like he was yes. preparing you, you know, for this moment. Um but yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, it's not disingenuine because we, we know like the pain you obviously, we can't mm-hmm. know the pain, but their pain was real and it was right. there. Um, and so if God hadn't planted those seeds in you and um, just those lies, like pulling them out, like that God doesn't really owe us anything, mm-hmm. you would be in, in a much worse place, you know? Right, right. Um,
2: well, and, and, you know, like, like I said, while I didn't, Demand understanding. All I needed to know is what I did know mm-hmm. was that Brooklyn was alive, mm-hmm. is alive right now in the presence of Jesus, and that we will be reunited with her again for eternity. I I know that her death and our grief is not wasted because it's his goodness and his glory that's on the line. And like you said, that's not to say that the pain we experience even to this day isn't deep. Indeed, our grave our grief has been great. But I honestly believe that he wept with us and for us as his children grieving the loss of their child. Mm-hmm. And while he did not resurrect her on this earth as he did Lazarus, I have seen the glory of God through that experience. And as a reminder of the greater glory to come, I have Brooklyn's footprints in my Bible <laughs> on Revelation 21, 3 through 7. Do you mind if I Can read I? it? Yeah. Would you like to read it? Is that what you were going to say? No, no, I was going to say, but, I want to see the oh, footprints. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, read. You Both should read I it. I will. I will. Oh,
1: oh my
2: God. Itty bitty feet. I can read out of any other Bible and not get as emotional as I do. But when I see her footprints, I always get it. Okay, so. And I heard with a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and he will Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain, any anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, "Behold. Hmm. Behold, I am making all things new.
1: Well, it's hard to, um, I'm like listening to, I just listened to you read that and I'm like, what do I say after that? (laughs) It's so beautiful. Um, so thank you for reading that and sharing the little feet with me. (laughs) Of course. It's just so beautiful getting to name your babies and, um, it's a big deal, um, naming your children. And I, I think as believers, we have the opportunity to speak into their Mm -hmm. life even before. And if we would just pray and ask God, he gives us answers. That's true. Um, he so evidently <laughs> spoke to you and David mm-hmm. to name Brooklyn oh, yeah. Grace and um and she's currently representing Grace in a broken land and that's what's beautiful and and um even in the broken land, like the grief that you guys still mm-hmm. face, you know, people I think after the first year kind of it's just like a thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. your baby passed, they're with Jesus, whatever. But for you and David, like she is your firstborn. Like mm-hmm. she is still, like, involved in your lives, and especially with, Definitely. like, um, yeah, <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, just thank you so much, Shelby, Thanks. just for opening up and sharing your story, because um, God truly is sharing his story through us, and he wants yeah. to use us, and so yeah. he's um, told his story through you, and you just, I'm just staring at you, and you're just so beautiful, <laughs> like, just, po- like, poised, is that a word? Oh, yeah. thank poise. you. and it's just, like. You represent God's grace beautifully um, and carry it beautifully. So, um, yeah, I guess before we kind of wrap up, um, you know, what kind of season is the Lord walking you through right now? Um, Kind of what's going on, and if you want to share that.
2: Yeah, well, I think everyone should know or would want to know that God has graced us with another little girl, our Noel Rose. She's three now and just glorious little stinker <laughs> I mean we just couldn't adore her anymore she is our world and goodness does she know it um, <laughs> David and I are actually coming up on our 10-year anniversary <laughs> oh yes yes so preparing for this podcast has really had me basking in the grace of God over our journey together um, I just I really love where we are in our marriage right now there's there's a security there. Um, a security in who we are as individuals that we can accept each other for who we are, um, a security in the strength of our foundation and the strength of our love that we know when we go through rough patches in our marriage because we still do, mm-hmm. um, that we don't have to worry about it all falling apart. Um, but, you know, other than that, I would just say that God has our family in a waiting place right now. Um, And while that can be frustrating, there's a lot of fruit that has come from this time. For me personally, I've learned a lot about faithfulness, faithfulness in stewarding what I have been given, um, faithfulness in loving and serving God and others, regardless of how I feel any given day. Um, And my goal in this time is really just to wait well and to have a testimony of faithfulness, a testimony of of trusting in God's perfect will and his perfect timing. It's hard in a generation Ooh. of now. Yes, Let me get I on am. Amazon. Let me order my... Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Well, that's
1: beautiful. Thank you.
0: Lord God, I thank you so much for Shelby's story. I thank you for your faithfulness and um, just for how you have made that evident in her life. I thank you for teaching us about your sovereignty and your grace. And um, Lord, again, I know if I've prayed before on this podcast about how thankful I am that that you feel what we feel, um, and you, you, Jesus, you have empathy with us. Um, but just again, I, I just I can't thank you enough for that. I thank you that um, even through all the pain, that uh, you you just are right there with us through it. Um, I thank you again just so much for Shelby and for Gabby, and I thank you for this time that we got to spend together. Uh, I thank you for this podcast and for all of our dear listeners. Lord, I just pray that you would use these stories to encourage them. I pray that you would speak um, just through our words here today and, and again, through uh, us telling what you've done, your goodness and grace in our life. I pray that you would use those things to encourage um, all who listen and draw them close to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that, my friends, is a wrap on our first season of Radiant Stories. We're pausing over the summer, but we'll be back next fall with even more amazing stories of God's goodness and grace. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube so you don't miss the Season 2 launch.
2: Season 2 launch! Look at us!